0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. O, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts
1: Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of our special programs about how to pass the Cambridge B2 First and C1 Advanced exams. Today we have 12 tips to help you pass the speaking exam. I'm Dave and I'm sitting here with expert Cambridge exam teacher, John Wyke. Hello, John. Good morning. How well, are you today? I'm very well, thank you. So John is a teacher here at Taylor School. He teaches the advanced exams and the proficiency exams, That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but he's also taught the first certificate a lot mm-hmm. in the past. So in today's program, we're going to go through our 12 tips about how to do the speaking exam for the first certificate and the advanced. And then we're going to listen to Adriana from Expert English. Adriana is the owner and manager of Expert English, which is a Cambridge exam center. So if you want to take exams, you can take them there if you're in Asturias. And then we're going to do a little game at the end where John and I make common mistakes that people make on the speaking exam. And you, the listener, will have to spot the mistakes that we make. Okay, so let's get started. So let's go over the different parts of the exam. Before we start the 12 tips, let's just describe the exam. You'll find links at our website, taylorschool.es-podcasts, and you can find links at the podcast site there to videos of the speaking exam and lots of information all about how to do it. Also, a list of the 12 tips that we're going to give you as well. hmm Okay, can you describe the different parts of the exam, John?
2: Yeah, so the speaking part of the exam lasts for about 15 minutes. It has four parts. Usually there will be two candidates and two examiners, although one of the examiners will not be speaking. They're just doing the marking. There Mm. are, as I say, four parts. Part one is a conversation between the examiner... And each candidate. So the examiner asks the candidate some simple questions about likes and dislikes, where they're from, general interaction, and it lasts about two minutes.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: The second part consists of an individual long turn for each candidate. So each candidate speaks individually. The examiner gives them two photographs and some instructions. They're asked to compare the photographs and to answer a question. Generally, to say why something about the photographs.
1: Yeah, to talk about the two photographs. And it's sort of a long one where you talk for one minute yep. on your own. And then the examiner will ask the other candidate
2: a question and they will talk for 20 to 30 seconds in response to that question. hmm Each candidate does both things, and that lasts about four minutes. Mm -hmm. Part three is a conversation between the candidates. The examiner gives the candidates some text, which is generally a question, and five topics or subjects that they can talk about, and some instructions asking them to discuss the topics. The candidates talk for about two minutes with each other, and then the examiner stops them and asks them to make a decision to decide which one or which two of the topics or items meets a certain criteria. And that's a further minute. So it's three minutes in total.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's the two students who are candidates who go into the exam. That's the two of them talking together yep. and they... communicating and agreeing or disagreeing together.
2: Agreeing, mm-hmm. disagreeing, giving opinions, commenting on opinions, having a conversation. That's mm-hmm. the important part. Yeah. And part four is a discussion with more detailed questions on a similar topic to part three. So if part three is about health and keeping fit, part four might have questions about fitness in general and health in general. Mm-hmm. The examiner asks a question and usually directs it at one or the other of the students, the candidates, but both of the candidates can answer and respond to each other's answers, agree, disagree, comment, and the examiner might prompt them for more information by asking why or turning to the other candidate who
1: may not have spoken and saying, what do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we've got those four parts. So really they go from individual basic question and answers an individual monologue. Yeah, just exactly. talking about one topic and then together talking about information that you have in front of you to agree something or disagree something. And then the final part is question and answers, but together and more complicated. Exactly. Yeah. At the beginning, you said that there are two examiners in yes. the room. Yeah.
2: yeah. It's impossible to evaluate somebody and talk to them
1: at the same time. Yeah, uh, I
2: know cuz I've tried.
1: Yeah, we um, we do mock exams so it's like like doing the real exam mm-hmm. in exam conditions. We do it here to see if the students are ready to do the real exam. Yeah. And so we do this where we ask the questions and we give people marks and things like that and it's very very difficult. to. Well,
2: you, you can't do everything mm-hmm. as
1: as a single examiner cuz the
2: one examiner is the interlocutor, the person who talks is talking making sure that they're being understood, and controlling the time. Yeah. So they, they do the timekeeping. The students don't have to worry about time. The examiner will say thank you when the time is up. The other examiner is the
1: one who is doing the evaluation. Mm-hmm. Well, Adriana will talk about this after we've done the tips, but both examiners give a general mark, yes. give, a, give a general grade. But I think the marks that have more weight... The examiner that gives more marks is the one who's not talking. Yeah, because they can actually evaluate
2: based on the different criteria that Cambridge use for Mm -hmm. for evaluating how people speak.
1: Yeah, good. Okay, so shall we move on to the exam? Remember, as in all of these episodes, it's a good idea to find a video of the speaking exam and what you can find one of those on, on YouTube. We also have links to videos and links to all the materials, like the sample, the pictures, and the the questions that you get in the exam. We have links to all of that at our website, taylorschool.es-podcasts. And when you go there, you can type in first certificate or B2, or you can type in 12 tips and you can find all the information that we're giving you. You can find all the tips and you can find lots of links That'll be useful. So when you're listening, it might be useful to have some of the sample exams in front of you so you know what we're talking about. Okay, so let's go on to tip number one. This is about part one. Okay, so what's the tip, John, for part one? Tip number one,
2: go back to basics. Make sure that you can say basic things perfectly. Try and avoid the most basic mistakes. You will be asked about likes and dislikes, so mm-hmm. make sure you' are quite comfortable using like. I like skiing. I don't like going to the dentist. Mm-hmm. I'm thirty. Make sure you enunciate the ends of verbs and the the contractions. I'm a teacher.
1: Yeah, saying ah. Yeah, you're not teacher. You are a teacher.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know or you should know, that you'll get these questions so you can practice for these. Practice giving personal information like that. Imagine you're meeting somebody for the
1: first time. Those kinds of questions. Yeah. So it's one of these things that when people get to this B2 level and they're ready to take the exam, they focus on the complicated grammar and the complicated linking words and expressions and things like that. But this idea of going back to basics... Can really help because it really makes sure that you've got a strong foundation to get the basic points. Yeah. Good. Okay, so that's for part one. Part one is very easy because it's just question, answer, question, answer, basic information. And it's also designed to make you feel comfortable. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So part two is the one where you talk for a minute about some photos. John, what's tip number two? Okay.
2: Tip number two. Answer the two parts of the question compare. So describe the similarities and differences. Don't describe the scene in detail. And then remember that you have another question to answer. Look at the text above the photographs if you forget. Usually it begins with say why. So you're being asked for reasons. Yeah. But remember that there are two
1: things to do and it's only a minute. Yeah. So in the first certificate there are two parts to this. You have Compare, which is describe the similarities and differences. That's compare. And also answer the question. And answering the question, it might say, say why uh, the people are on the bus or something or like why that. Why the people are traveling. Why you the people might are traveling. have two That's people right. on yeah. different mm-hmm. means of transport. Obviously, you don't know exactly why those people are traveling. So it's all about the language that you need to express... Uncertainty as well. To speculate. Yeah, to speculate, yeah. yeah. It might be that they are, they could be, it's possible that they. I think Mm -hmm. they
2: look like. Yeah.
1: um, It seems like.
2: There are no right or wrong answers. Mm -hmm. You do not get penalized for saying something that's not true as long as it is, in fact, related to the photographs and the question. Yeah, and answering the question. The other thing in terms of comparing is. When you're answering that question, the second question, keep comparing. Mm. Well, in this photograph, they might be traveling because they're going to work. But in that photograph, I think they're probably going on holiday. Yeah. You're
1: still comparing, which is, is what, what they want to hear. Good. Okay. So let's move on to tip number three. This, again, is about part two, about the second part. So, but we're on tip number three, John.
2: Okay, tip number three is practice exactly how you're going to start. You will always be asked to compare two photographs. So you can practice how to begin comparing two photographs without thinking too much about the content. Mm -hmm. So practice the phrasing that you might use. Although both photographs show... Or the first photograph shows this thing, whereas the second photograph shows this thing. Mm -hmm. Or even... Both photographs are similar because they both Mm -hmm. have this thing in common. Decide on a beginning that you want to use and practice that beginning
1: until it's very natural. This is really useful for the nerves in the exam. Yeah, so when they ask you the question, you know what you're going to say. Yeah, that's the sound of me clicking my (laughs) fingers to to indicate that you know it straight away. Yeah, you don't have to think, oh, how am I going to describe the similarities and differences? You just know how you're going to do it and then you add the words. So both photos show people traveling or both photos show animals, da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. Where the first photo, da 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 whereas the second photo, da 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 And then you can start answering the question properly. In the Cambridge Advanced Exam, there are two questions. So you can... Move straight on to answer, to compare those. Comparing by answering those questions. Compare the photos at the same time as answering the questions. Good. And you can learn phrases for comparing things. However, although, while. Okay. Number four, again, is about the second part of the exam. So, tip number four, John. Tip number four is practice to get the timing right. Mm -hmm. Now, you don't
2: need to talk for exactly a minute, but you need to be able to talk for at least a minute. The examiner will stop you after a minute has passed. It doesn't matter if the examiner stops you because that's their job, but what you don't want to do
1: is stop talking with 15 seconds left. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So practice to get the timing right is to make sure that you have time to answer the questions properly in that time. Yeah. And to keep talking until the examiner stops you. You shouldn't stop talking before the examiner stops you. Yeah, you should keep going. Exactly. Yeah. And also,
2: part of practicing the timing is making sure that you do both of the tasks. That you don't spend all of your time comparing and leave yourself very little time to move on to answering the question. Mm-hmm. You can move on very quickly to answering the question and then continue comparing until the time runs out.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. Okay. So, this is a tip now that applies to both part two and part three. Tip number five. Keep talking until they tell you to stop. Hmm. Good. Yep. So, just keep talking. This, actually, if you're in Spain, this is not quite about the Cambridge exams, but it's similar. The Escuela Oficial exams, which is the official language school, is a big thing here in Spain because it's quite similar. And the speaking part is like this, where you have to keep talking, but it's a lot longer. You have to keep talking for four minutes. So it's really difficult. Eternal. When I'm teaching this, rather than teaching people the language, I teach people techniques on how to think of more things to say. So teach them to plan points. And for every point, give an example, give the reason, relate it to your own life. And things like that to keep people talking. The Cambridge exams are not quite like this, but really you should practice talking within the times to make sure that you can keep talking for all of that time. Yeah, and also that you get higher marks
2: if you're able to link your ideas into more than one sentence. You can say an idea and then follow on from that idea with something that's related to it. Mm -hmm. So that's giving examples or giving reasons. And that works in every
1: part. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on now. So this is all about part three of the exam, which is where the two students or candidates have to talk together about different options to answer a question. Okay, so John... Tip number six,
2: remember, let your partner speak. It's a conversation, not a competition.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: You get no points for dominating a conversation. The whole point of this part is to hear the interaction about the topic. So invite your partner's opinion. Don't just wait your turn thinking about what you're going to say next. Listen to what your partner is saying and respond to what your partner is saying and allow them time to respond to
1: what you say. Stop. Breathe. If you have a friend doing the exam, but when you actually go to the exam, the place where you're taking the exam, you can ask the people there to go together with a friend if you want. Or you can ask them not to go together (laughs) with a friend. We all have those kinds (laughs) of friends. And also, if there's somebody who's talking a lot, what I often do is, I practice this in class, teach politely interrupting people as well. It's quite easy to do. You can just say, hmm, yes, uh," and then start talking. So you you make little noises. So if John's talking nonstop, I go, hmm, yes. Yeah, mm, yes, and da-da-da, and then you can sort of interrupt in a polite way.
2: Beginning with and
1: is quite a good one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You shouldn't need to do that, but you never know. It is a communication thing, so you need to make sure that you're inviting the other person to talk, you're commenting on what they say, and you're adding to what they're talking about. Okay, so next tip, tip number seven. Tip number seven, start with, shall I start? Mm Mm-hmm. Try and get the
2: intonation right as well, because it's an offer. And when we make offers in English like this, we tend to go up at the end. Shall I start? Shall I start?
1: Shall I start?
2: Shall I I start? Shall I start? It it sounds wrong if the intonation isn't appropriate. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, you might forget, doesn't matter that much. But it's also a way of just indicating that you're going to be talking to your partner. The other thing to do at this point is turn to face your partner. Mm.
1: so So that you're talking to them, not the examiner. Yeah, you're not talking to the examiner, you're talking to your partner so you can talk to them. And that helps the communication. Exactly. The flowing, yeah, the movement of the information or communication between the two people. Okay, good. And tip
2: number eight. Tip number eight. Don't just choose the best one. Remember in this part you're given a question and a number of ideas. There's a great temptation just to go straight to oh this one's most important or this one's the best. Start anywhere on the text that they give you and talk about each of the ideas in turn and remember to move from one to the next. You can actually tell your partner, I think we should move on. What about this one? What do you think about that? That's part of managing the conversation, which is one of the
1: things that the examiners are looking for you to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You have like a question in the middle and then five boxes with ideas in each box. And really, to be honest, what I always teach is, so you don't have to think about it. Just start at the top left and work your way around. Yeah. Yeah. So you start with the option at the top left, you talk about that even if it's a bad option. Doesn't it doesn't matter. matter. Yeah. Yeah, the idea is that you're discussing
2: it. Because remember the examiner will stop you after 2 minutes and then ask you another question in which you have to decide something. That's when you can start identifying
1: which one is best or which one is most important. Yeah. And also, you don't have to talk about all of the options, but you have to talk about more than one of the options. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm.
2: Okay. Tip number nine. Okay. Tip number nine. Don't just say, I think all the time. In this part of the exam, you are giving opinions. You are saying what you think, but we have lots and lots of other options in English to present and frame our
1: opinions. Yeah, so what I often find is that people say, I think, I think, I think, because that's really what we say. Yes. It's quite natural to say, yes. I think. Yeah. You're giving your opinions, so you say, I think. But there are different ways to say it, yeah? From my point of view, is one way. The way I see it, I'd say, like I would say, I'd say, I suppose... And in my view... Yeah? So don't just... I mean, it's okay to say, I think, three, Two or three four times. times. Yeah. That's fine. But if you're just saying it for every sentence, then it sounds a little bit repetitive and you're not taking advantage of showing all the language that you know. That's all.
2: And that's really the key thing. Every time you repeat common phrases where you have options, you're losing an opportunity... To demonstrate to the examiners that you can do mm-hmm. something
1: else that you would get marks for. Yeah. Good. Tip number 10 is about part 3 and 4. It's about both of the parts. So, it's mm-hmm. about the interactive parts. So, these parts, the candidates speak together. So, tip number 10, John. Tip number 10 is learn lots of
2: ways to say that you agree and disagree. So, for example, that's right. I agree. I couldn't agree more. I'm not sure about that. I see what you mean, but... Mm -hmm. You have to be able to agree and disagree. And there are lots and lots of ways in English to do that. Obviously, you have to do it politely, no matter which way you choose. You can't just call somebody an idiot, however much you might like to. But you have lots of options. Learn five or six ways of agreeing and disagreeing Mm -hmm. and use them rather than just saying yes or no. Mm -hmm. And don't forget the simple ones as well. I think so too. I don't think so.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, Yeah. that's a common mistake in Spanish. Often Spanish speakers say, I think no or I think not. Yeah, I think yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think so or I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Again, that goes back to the basic errors. uh, Using basic language is no problem at all. But Mm -hmm. the more basic the language you use, the more the examiners want to hear it done absolutely correctly. correctly. Mm
1: -hmm. Good. Okay, tip number 11.
2: Tip number 11 is my favorite. Disagree on purpose, even if you agree. In the part three where you're asked to reach a decision... You might have the same opinion as your your partner. But if your partner says something and you agree, well, that's the end of your speaking, really. Yeah. So, even if you agree, pretend you don't. Mm -hmm. Disagree. Learn the phrase, let's agree to disagree. Yeah. Which is one way of finishing a discussion without reaching an
1: agreement. Adriana from Expert English the other day told me the opposite of this. She said, I don't really like it when people disagree on purpose. But I think if it sounds unnatural, she, yeah. she, her point was really that it should be natural. So disagreeing, not sounding natural, isn't a good idea. Yes. The communication has to be natural. So I think it's a good idea to disagree. So you're not just saying that I agree all the time. So it just gives you much more opportunity to vary the language. Yeah. yeah and if you want to make it slightly less
2: disagreeable... You can say, I'm not so sure. Yeah. Or, mm, I, I see what I you mean. I see what you mean. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know. Express doubt
1: rather than disagreement. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not a good idea to say, I disagree. I don't think so. Those things are very direct and that's okay in certain situations. But if you're just discussing different options, we tend not to say that sort of thing. We don't like yeah. conflict. Yeah, we don't like conflict. We don't like being too direct or saying things that are too negative like that. Okay, and tip number 12, our final tip. All good things have to come to an end and this is our last tip. Okay,
2: tip number 12. Practice and learn the exam format so that you don't have to think about it so that you can concentrate on listening to the other person and speaking naturally. Mm -hmm. If you know what to expect... You won't feel as nervous.
1: If you don't feel as nervous, you will speak more naturally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there are no surprises. You don't have to listen to the instructions that the examiner is saying, Accept the important information that they're giving you. And you know where that important information will be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's just practice, watch the videos, go to a class with teachers like us. At Taylor School. (laughs) (laughs) who know what they're talking about but I'm sure there are teachers in other schools as well that know what they're talking about but just practice make sure that you know exactly what's happening in each part of the exam what you have to do what's expected and that's all and relax and relax yeah Ah. good so we're going to hear in a moment from Adriana from Expert English and then we'll have a game at the end Adriana, how are you?
3: Hello, Dave. How are you? Nice to see you again.
1: Very well, thank you. Thank you very much for coming on the program. So, could you tell us a little bit about how the exam works? So, Adriana, you've got lots of experience with organizing exams. You've got your exam center where people come and do the exams. You're a speaking examiner as well. Mm -hmm. Is that right?
3: Yeah, that's right.
1: So, when people come in, what do they have to do? Like, what happens to people when they come in for the speaking exam?
3: Normally, when we organize exams, we try to organize them in the most friendly way we can. Mm -hmm. So, we try to do the written papers together with a speaking exam on the same day, one thing after the other. Uh If you're doing a paper-based exam, normally you have the written papers in the morning... And immediately after we finish with the written papers, the speaking session starts. Uh So you don't have a break or anything, a a long break, I mean. You don't have to wait too long to finish. And in a couple of hours, it's over. If you're doing a computer-based exam, you may have the written papers before and then the speaking, or the other way around, because you may have a, an afternoon session mm-hmm. for the written papers. Yeah. Either way, we're we trying to make it as swift as possible. So mm-hmm. you just come in, we get your IDs to see that you are you, and you have to leave your telephone outside, and then, let's say, you may have to wait about 10 minutes, but not longer than that. Uh-huh. So that that's the usual thing. Yeah. In the bigger sessions in June, you may have to wait a little bit more because sometimes things get delayed. Mm-hmm. But in general, that's the way we organize it. Yeah, And we try not to get you to wait too long because you get nervous while you're waiting. Yeah. yeah. So what we uh-huh. try to avoid is that thing, about getting nervous while you're waiting. And people go into the exam in pairs. Yes, there are two examiners and two candidates. Uh-huh. If you are the last pair and there's a an number of students, it may be three candidates with two examiners. Uh-huh. And, and just you, for the record, you may have three examiners or even four inside yeah. the room.
1: Uh-huh.
3: Four seldom happens, but three examiners is a possibility. Yeah. If there are three examiners, just remember that the third examiner is not looking at you. Yeah, He's looking at the examiners. The examiners, <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh-huh.
3: But Good. it may happen, but the usual thing is a two-to-two. Two, two.
1: If I want to do the exam and my friend wants to do the exam as well, Mm -hmm. can I organize it so that I go into the exam with my friend into the Yes, that's a possibility. Uh Yes,
3: that's a possibility. If the two of you are coming together, you have to tell your teacher when they enroll you to tell us that you want to do it together. But Uh if for some reason you don't go to the same school or you don't, or haven't remembered to ask your teacher, you can ask us there and then. Uh-huh. And we can reorganize that yeah. things for you to be together. Uh-huh. Again, having said that, that is not necessarily an advantage. right? Because the good thing about the speaking test is that it triggers ideas for you to talk about. Yeah. So you have to talk about ideas, and the less you know the other person, the better. Because then you will be able to actually ask for information, and actually share ideas yeah. from somebody you don't know about. Okay. What we have experienced, especially when it's in pairs that have rehearsed it, is that it's so rehearsed that there's no actual communication. Right. But a nice play.
1: Yeah, it's too practice. They practice exactly. it too much together, and they know... What they're going to yes. say and things like that. Yep. So,
3: shall I go first? Yeah. No, please, you go first. <laughs> yeah. And then you start, and you already know yeah. that they will just be trying to show us the language they know, uh-huh. but they won't actually be talking about the topic that they are asked to talk uh-huh. about.
1: Yeah. So, in the same way, what you mean is that sort of the communication and the content of what you're saying is possibly more important than the sort of the language points and things like that.
3: Exactly. Uh-huh. Of course, you're expected to produce some language at a B2 level of English or at a C1 level of English. Mm-hmm. That language is normally triggered by the pictures. Yeah. So, if you're talking about something at a first certificate level, that means that you're talking about familiar and some unfamiliar situations. huh that comes in the pictures. Yeah. So if you have to talk about sports, you will talk about an extreme sport or not a sport that you play every day. Yeah. If you are talking about it at a C1 level of English, the picture will be more abstract. Right. So uh-huh. that is what brings the language that you yeah. will show to show that you are at a B2 or at a C1 level. So you of don't English. have
1: to like make a special effort to use difficult language. You no. just have to use the appropriate language for the tasks. That they give you exactly, uh-huh. exactly. Right. So there are four parts to the speaking exam. Hmm. Does each part have equal weight? As in, is it like twenty-five percent for part one, twenty-five percent for part two, twenty-five percent part three and four?
3: Parts are not marked individually. Uh-huh. There's only one mark for the whole speaking test. Right. So nobody knows where you got the marks.
1: Uh huh.
3: What does happen is that. The normally students grow through the exam. Yeah. So at the beginning, you get just kind of a first impression mm-hmm. of pronunciation and a couple of other features. And then as the exam keeps evolving, language evolves. Mm-hmm. And normally at the end, students start feeling more relaxed. Yeah. And that's when we finish marking.
1: Yeah, that's when you can really see their yes, level, and you can exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: And and we may have marked, and then we may change our marks through the exam. Yeah. Uh-huh. Normally, we raise the marks towards the end because normally students start showing a lot more. Yeah. When when uh-huh. they feel it's actually getting over. Yeah. In general, students are very nervous at the beginning with the pictures and what will the picture be about? Yeah. What will the topic be about? And once they are confident that they know the topic mm-hmm. and then they can talk about it and... It's sort
1: of, the exam really goes from more structured to less structured, doesn't it? Yes, or it, it goes from,
3: from more controlled to freer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and at the yeah. end, when it's free-ish, it's yeah. not free, but it's yeah. mm-hmm. it's a lot more communicative, let's say. And
1: you mentioned pronunciation. Do people often lose marks with bad pronunciation and things like that?
3: Normally they don't. As long as they can be understood, it's difficult that they lose a lot of marks because of pronunciation. Mm -hmm. There are four areas that are marked. One is grammar and vocabulary. The other one is discourse. How much you say about things... Mm -hmm. Then there's pronunciation and then there's interaction. Right. So I would say that 50% of the exam or 50% of the marking, it's not exactly that way because yeah. it's not the way it goes. But I would say that a very important part of the marking lies on showing that you can actually communicate yeah. in another language. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's not, like
1: the discourse and the communication uh, Exactly. Part. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, but
3: if there's a interaction, message... Interaction, sorry. The interaction. Interaction. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if there's a message and you're able to talk about it, you're, you're able to talk about something mm-hmm. and interact with the other person, yeah. and you show that you can do that about topics that are within the abilities of an, a B2 level of English, mm-hmm. then you get the marks.
1: This is one of these things where some people... Some people who want to take the exam, they think that it's an exam that you can sort of learn a list of 100 words and then go to the speaking exam. And if you say those words, like those linking words or these agreeing, disagreeing words, then that's then they give you a tick. Okay, they know those words, so that's fine. But what you're saying is the opposite, really. Mm-hmm. You need to really know English. You need to be able to communicate in English, organize ideas, understand what people are saying and respond in an appropriate way. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes,
3: none of the Cambridge exams tests uh, a syllabus, meaning a list of words or mm-hmm. a list of functions. Yeah. There are a number of can dos, yeah. and it's hundred percent true. We measure and we assess on what people can do, uh-huh. and we never focus on what people cannot do.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. So, if
3: you haven't said a word that you may have been expected to say, yeah. we cannot penalize you for that. Yeah. So, we just give you marks for all the words you, you have said. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Great. So. Okay. Brilliant. So, have you got any more tips for the exam, for the speaking exam from an examiner's perspective?
3: I would say that the key thing is, again, listen to the other one. Mm-hmm. Listen to the other one actively. Listen to the other student. To the, the, other, the other student, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. To the other student, yeah. if he says something that is funny and you laugh,
1: mm-hmm. that
3: gives you more marks right. than using a linker, right? Because you're uh-huh. actually reacting and you're showing that you can communicate yeah. and you're listening to the other one.
1: Okay, but don't laugh like a maniac no, in the middle of no, the exam. no,
3: no, no. <laughs> You needn't. Yeah. But sometimes people say funny things and uh-huh. sometimes people say sad things. Yeah. So if you react to those things, that mm-hmm. shows understanding. Yeah. yeah. And that is what a normal life situation would be like. Yeah. Sometimes your response is not a word. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a gesture. hmm And that shows that you have understood what the other one is saying.
1: Yeah, and that's the yeah, the interaction. There. That's yeah. the interaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Okay. Thank you very much, Adriana, for coming onto the program. It's been really useful to talk to you. Thank you, Dave, for inviting me. And uh, tell me a little bit about Expert English.
3: Expert English is a new center in Oviedo, but, well, new is a special word. Uh, (laughs) We've been here for four years now, almost five. Mm -hmm. We try to hold small sessions and we try to give our students, our candidates, the best possible experience when they are having their exam. Mm -hmm. We try as a center to be as candidate-friendly as possible. And our main goal is to get most of our candidates to take the computer-based exams. Because that's the environment 21st century students feel comfortable Mm in. Other than that, there's little else to say. As a centre, we are new, but as the people who work here have been in the Cambridge industry for a while. I started examining for Cambridge in 1997. Uh Most of our candidates were not born yet. (laughs) So So you've got lots of experience working with Cambridge.
1: And you can find a link to the Expert English website on the notes that go along with the programme. At TaylorSchool.es Stroke Podcast, and you can find the audio together with the notes of everything we've been talking about. And there, you can click on the link to go to Expert English. But what's the website?
3: Our website is www.expertenglishexams.com.
0: Okay,
1: brilliant.
3: Okay, so thanks again. Thank and, you. Uh,
1: bye. Bye. OK, so now it's time for a game. Well, the game really is not so much of a game today. But it's basically what we're going to do is we're going to act out the the exam, the speaking exam, parts of the exam at least. And we're going to demonstrate some common mistakes. And you, the listener, you have to spot the mistakes you have to listen and decide what is the exact mistake that we're making in the speaking exam so for this section we have our special guest Ines Hernandez she's working here at Taylor School she's working on the website and some of the online content and the notes that go along with the podcast she's the one who's writing a lot of those up and she's doing a fantastic job hello Ines hello Dave and today Ines is our Cambridge examiner. Okay? So, let's go.
0: John, where are you from?
2: I'm from Liverpool.
0: What do you do in your free time?
1: I like swim in my free time. Okay. So, that was the mistakes from part 1. This is part 1 of the exam where it's just basic questions and answers. What do you think John did wrong? Any ideas? Inés, what do you think it was?
0: He didn't say any verb for the first answer.
1: Yeah, he made some basic mistakes. I am from Liverpool. <laughs> People from Liverpool famously speak in a strange, <laughs> in a strange way. Apparently so. <laughs> so, yeah, what was your answer for the first question, John? I'm from Liverpool. I'm from Liverpool, so you didn't say I'm yep. from Liverpool. Or maybe you just didn't pronounce the m mm properly. Well, if the examiner yeah. doesn't hear it, then yeah, it doesn't there. matter whether you say it or not. Yeah. And in the second one, what did you say? I like swim in my free time. Yes. So, with like, you usually use the verb with ing. I like swimming in my free time. Or you can even say, I like to swim. But you definitely can't say, I like swim. That's very true. So... This seems really obvious because this is just basic mistakes. But in this first part, it's just like a warm-up and you know that you're going to get some basic questions. And these basic mistakes are mistakes that some people make. They might know lots of phrasal verbs and lots of linking expressions and things like that. And often people are nervous at the beginning. Mm, Yeah, it is still really good to just practice those basic questions and answers. Okay, so let's move on to part two. This is part two of the exam. And again, the question will be for John.
0: In this part of the test, I'm going to give each of you two photographs. I'd like you to talk about your photographs on your own about a minute and also to answer a question about your partner's photographs. It's your turn now. Here are your photographs. They show people travelling in different situations. I'd like you to compare the photographs and say why you think the people have decided to travel in these situations. All right?
2: Okay. The first photograph shows people on a bus, um, and the second photograph shows people on a, an aeroplane. Um, the people in the, the the first photograph look bored or, or un, unhappy. Um It looks like it 's raining outside um the, the The bus is quite dark and um, We can see the outside of the the plane um, but we can 't see the inside um, and the the people are carrying their luggage and suitcases in the bus. the people don 't have suitcases um, the The aeroplane looks new, but the bus looks old. Um, There are lots of... That's
0: enough, thank you.
1: Okay, Okay, so what do you think the problem was with John's answer there? Any ideas? So let's remember the question. What was the question, Inés?
0: Why have these people decided to travel in these situations?
1: Good. So so that was the question. Did John answer that question? Not no. <laughs> no. Not at all. No. So what he did do is he described the photos and he compared the photos. So that's part of the question. Part of the, the question he's answered, but he hasn't answered the second part of the question, which is really easy because on the exam paper that they give you with the pictures, the question is printed there. So... You can compare the photos, look at the similarities and the differences, but don't describe it in too much detail and then just answer the question that it says there. And if you forget, if you run out of things to say,
2: go back to the question at the top of the photographs and answer it again using different words.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. But he did, something that was good is that he did keep talking until the examiner said stop. Yeah, you have to just keep talking all the time in that one, so that was good. Okay, so let's do part three now. Part three is where we have to talk together. So John and I are both in the exam now, and we have to talk together about different options.
0: Now I'd like you to talk about something together for about two minutes. Here are some things people often do to keep fit and healthy, and a question for you to discuss. First, you have some time to look at the task. Now, talk to each other about how important these things are for keeping fit and healthy.
1: Shall I start? Yes. Okay, so, going to the gym. I really think uh, that going to the gym is a good thing. I, I, I go to the gym a lot, mm-hmm. um, three times a week, and it really makes me feel good, it makes me feel sort of strong and um and it also it helps me to think and it helps me to to de-stress what do you think
2: yeah i think going to the gym is the best it's the most important thing to do to to keep healthy um if you don't go to the gym then you just get fat uh and if you eat too much um and and don't exercise you can't be healthy Mm. So it's definitely the most important.
1: Yeah, I agree. So, So this one is the important one.
2: Yeah, I think so.
1: So what was the problem here, do you think? Listeners, can you think about what the problem might be? On the piece of paper, we have a question in the middle and then we have five options to talk about. One is sleeping eight hours every night. Eating at regular times, going to the gym, visiting the doctor regularly, and spending time outdoors each day. So we've got five options, but we only talked about one of the options. Because instead of answering the question, which is how important
2: each of these things are, we chose the best one, or the one we thought was most
1: important Uh at the beginning. You can, obviously, you can talk about which one you think is the most important. You can do that, but you have to talk about more than one, and you have to not only just choose the best one. The question isn't choose the best one. And then there's another part of the question, which is often, okay, now choose one, which you think is da-da-da-da-da, something related.
2: Exactly. So in the first part, it's just discussing the ideas. And the second part, after the examiner stops you and says, now I'd like you to decide, you have to try and
1: reach a decision. Good. Good. So, in part four, we get questions on the same topic as part three, but these are questions that the examiner asks us, and either of us can talk, but often the examiner might look at one of us particularly if we haven't talked much during the rest of the exam, for Mm -hmm. example. But we can talk together about this as well.
0: Some people say it's a school responsibility to help students keep fit, do you agree?
1: Yes.
2: Yeah, I think so. I I agree. I think so, too.
0: Is it possible to live healthily without spending a lot of money?
1: You don't really have to spend much money to live healthily.
2: No, that's true. You can live healthily without spending much money.
1: Okay. So, what was the problem there? What do you think, listeners? I'm sure you guessed it, that the problem was that we gave very short answers. In this part, it's sort of, it's a discussion part of the exam, really. So they give you a question and you can talk about it for 20 seconds, 30 seconds. You can talk with your partner about it or your partner can add more information, give their opinion, and then you can give your opinion again. Or then you can wait for the next question. The examiner has a list of six questions that they can ask, but really they should only ask something like two or three questions because you start talking about it and it's something that you can discuss with your partner. Is that right, John?
2: Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's the last chance the examiners have to hear you. So they want to hear a range of vocabulary. The other thing we did, or I did, was basically said the same things as Dave, which mm. is not demonstrating to the examiner that I can use lots of different vocabulary or grammatical structures. It's the last chance you have. So speak as much as you can, but remember that both people have to have to participate. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Good. Okay. So that's the end of the program. Thank you very much Inés and John for coming in today and talking about the speaking exam. I hope it's been useful. For anyone who's thinking about taking the first certificate or the Cambridge advanced exam. So next week we're talking about the differences between the first certificate and the advanced exam. And if you want to listen to any more podcasts about the first certificate and advanced Exam, The previous podcasts are about the different parts. The use of English, the reading, the listening and the writing and also we've got podcasts about all different topics that you can find at our website at stroke podcast so from Ines, John and me it's goodbye
0: bye bye, bye.